0: One of the things that is very riveting about reading the Bible is you have the opportunity to see God's mind, that God put these words into a book so he could reveal himself to us so that it would be made known. The book of Revelation is made to be known to us. It's not supposed to be confusing or difficult to understand. That would defeat the purpose of writing the book of Revelation. He wants it to be known to us. So a couple things that we would want to understand about God is that, first of all, He has no opposite. The opposite of up is down. The opposite of black is white. The opposite of God is not the devil. The devil is a created being. The opposite of the devil is the holy angels. God has no opposite. So since God has no opposite, God is completely sovereign and in charge of all things, including the end times. It's not that um, Satan is in charge, and and Satan dictates when things are going to happen, or that things get so bad that it 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 uh, you know God is forced to play his hand and and say, okay, well I guess I need to step in now and and end things all. No, everything that God is leading things down a particular path according to His will, and when He determines the time is right, that is when He will begin the end times. There's a trigger that starts the end times in the end times, is triggered by the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church is a body of believers, whether they've passed away a long time ago, like uh, Moses and Abraham and ordinary people that had faith in God, that they viewed forward-looking, that the Messiah would come one day, and they had faith looking ahead that the Messiah would come, or us who look backward and say the messiah did come it's the same faith one just looks forward one looks back but it's the same faith that we share in fellowship so when the rapture of believers those that have died a long time ago those that died last week that god calls them up out of the out of their tombs out of the the sea if they were lost in the sea jesus does not come down to earth that happens at the second coming but for the rapture to trigger this period of time, Jesus will come to the cloud level and he will shout us up to him. He will say, come. And all those that have died a long time ago or last week, we will all be called up in the rapture. Some supporting biblical references to that, you would want to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 16 or you may want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. So with the church of believers now up in heaven with Jesus, there's a couple things we would want to know regarding the timing of it. Nobody knows the time of it, only God knows that. However, we know what happens once things do begin. Once the church begins, that starts the countdown. There's a seven year period of time that is included in the end times. It's a three and a half year period of time. And then there's what is called the abomination of desolation, which I'll explain in a little bit. And then there's another three and a half year period of time. So let's look at some timing from God's point of view, because God views time differently than you and I do. You and I would use terms like um, it happened on a Wednesday or three years from now, this is what we're going to do. Well, the Bible doesn't use that type of language. It doesn't say it was Wednesday. It will say it was three days from the Passover. Even God's calendar is different than ours. God's calendar has 360 days in it. Ours has 365 days in it. So how do we how do we pick that up? Well, you go back to Genesis and regarding the flood, and this is in chapter seven, verse 11. It says, On the seventeenth day of the second month, on that day, all the springs of the great deep burst forth, and the floodgates of heaven were opened. And then you go down a little bit further onto verse 24, and it says, The waters flooded the earth for a hundred and fifty days. And then you go down a little bit further into chapter 8, verse Three, and it says, The water receded steadily from the earth. At the end of the 150 days, the water had gone down. And on the 17th day of the f- seventh month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Arafat. So here you have the flood that began on the 17th day. Five months later, it ended on the 17th day. The Bible says it was 150 days. So God is a God of order. Every month, all 12 months had... Thirty days in them. It wasn't until after the flood, or the events of the flood, where the world, the earth, had tilted on its axis, the four seasons began, and all the other events of the earth had begun at that time. So, why is that important? It's important because God uses time in a specific way. For example, the way that you and I would view a day, we would say, "I woke up in the morning; it was, you know, a new day." Um, Maybe technically we would say at midnight it's a new day. But God doesn't view it that way. When God created the earth and all things during creation, during the, the seven days of creation, seventh day he rested, he says it was evening, it was morning day one, it was evening, it was morning day two, it was evening, it was morning day three, and so forth. So God views a day beginning at sundown. So why is that important? Well, that's important because the Bible clearly says that Jesus wanted to celebrate the Passover meal with his apostles, and that's when he introduced the new covenant. And then it says in the morning he was arrested, and then later that day he um, crucified, and then three days later he arose from the dead. So when it comes to the timing of it, when you read the the, the description of the of the events of Jesus's um, crucifixion, it says after he had died, they wanted to take his body off of the cross because they didn't want a dead body to defile the Passover meal that the people were preparing for. So how could you have Jesus wanting to celebrate and, and actually celebrating the Passover on one day and then the next day, they're saying we have to take off, take his body down because we want to celebrate and prepare for the Passover. Well, that is because in God's sight, be the day began in the evening when Jesus began the Passover meal with the Apostles and it continued until evening in the following day where they had taken his body down and everybody else celebrated the Passover so in God's eyes that was all within the same day um, so there's no conflict another example of how the Bible uses the description of time differently than how you and I would is um, example in the uh, book of Daniel So Daniel describes a year as being time. And then two years is times, and a half year is a half time. So um, Daniel writes about it was a time, times and a half time. So that would be three and a half years. One plus two plus a half, three and a half years. And then also it describes it as being um, one seven. So one seven would be a seven year period of time. And then it says in the middle of one seven, which would be three and a half years. And then it also describes 1,260 days. Once again, 30 days in a month, that would be 42 months. Daniel talks about 42 months, three and a half years. The tribulation period is three and a half years. And then another 1,260 days, another three and a half years, is the Great Tribulation. And then it also describes it as being 42 months um, of the Great Tribulation. So the point of this is that when we're reading Revelation, Revelation talks about the the end times being a seven-year period of time. The seven years are divided by two. It's a a three-and-a-half-year period of time, and then there's what is known as the abomination of desolation, and then there's the other three-and-a-half-year period of time. The first half is the tribulation, the second three-and-a-half years after the abomination is called the Great Tribulation. So why is that important? Well, that's important because when we read the book of Daniel and we read in chapter 9, in beginning in verse 24, it talks about 70 sevens. So 70 times 7 would be 490 years. So Daniel is prophesying. He had a vision. He was looking into the future about this 490-year period of time. And, and then he breaks out out of that 490 years years, he speaks about a 49-year period of time. And the trigger begins, the clock for this 490-year begins when the king sends an edict to rebuild the Jerusalem wall and to rebuild the Jerusalem temple. So that's what starts the 490-year clock running. And Daniel points out that after this edict is done, it's gonna take 49 years to do the construction, to build up the wall in the temple. So that's gonna be 49 out of the 490 years. That leaves 434 years remaining. Daniel points out that after the wall is built and the temple is built, it's gonna be 434 years until the Messiah enters Jerusalem riding on a donkey and ultimately is gonna be killed and he's not going to physically be walking out of it he will be uh, uh, resurrected but he will not physically be walking out of that and that would happen 434 years after the wall was completed so the bible is very specific to the date that the messiah would eventually go into um, into jerusalem that leaves a final seven years left that are unaccounted for daniel says out of these seven years it's going to be um, split in two the first half is going to be and, and this is the end times the first half is going to be three and a half years and then there's going to be what is called the abomination of desolation daniel writes and then there's going to be the final three and a half years so the timing is very important when understanding um, revelation in the end times the events of the end times are written or spoken about in by jesus in matthew chapter 24 What had happened is the apostles had just had some side conversation as they were walking out of the the temple, and they made a comment like, what a beautiful building, what a massive structure. And Jesus said, I'm going to tell you the truth. There's a time coming soon when no two uh, bricks, no two uh, boulders will be stacked upon each other, that it's, it's going to come tumbling down. Well, this surprised and shocked the apostles. So shortly after that, they sat down and they said, you know Jesus tell us the time of your second coming tell us the time when this is going to happen and Jesus had gone through and he said that there'll be wars and rumors of war and, and he went through Jesus went through a, a checklist well this checklist is a parallel account of the things that happen in Revelation as I'll detail in a moment and Jesus speaks about um, the the great tribulation and these uh, events and he's and Jesus speaks about the abomination of that causes desolation. And what is that? Well, that is when Satan, the devil, Lucifer, when he proclaims himself God, he goes into the temple, sits on God's throne, and he proclaims himself God. Matthew talks about that in chapter 24. Uh, Daniel uh, references this in uh, 11, chapter 11, verse 31. It's also in Daniel 9:27. And then it's also um, the abomination of desolation is also um, discussed in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. When looking at the prophecies of Revelation, we also had to be mindful that the writer, in this instance, um, John, he's having a vision of the future, or Daniel, they're having visuals of the future. And they are really coming from a primitive time. There's no automobiles or trains or skyscrapers or planes or tanks or anything like that. So when they're having a vision of the future, that's very shocking. Daniel was literally sick in bed for about two weeks because he couldn't get the images out of his mind of what he had seen. It disturbed him so much. Um, And so the thing that we would want to be mindful of is when you are trying to describe things, like how would you describe the color green? You know, if you were to write that down to someone that hasn't seen the color green, you know, where would you begin? For example, you see this in Matthew's gospel, chapter 17, on the Mount of Transfiguration. And this is where Jesus is showing um, his deity. He's, in essence, pulling back the veil of his skin, his flesh, and he's showing his, his deity through there. And they were trying to describe it. They said, well, it's brighter than the sun, and it's brighter than a flash of lightning, and if you took uh, some bleach and made something as white as you could, or if you looked at snow, and even whiter than that. So, you know, they're trying to describe something, but, you know, where do you begin? So certainly, Revelation has those issues, but Revelation is a true story. Um, So John writes, it's like this. Um, So he'll use that as a reference, saying it's not this. He's just using it something to, you know, to uh, a hook that maybe we can um you know take a take a look at it and maybe compare it to so we can our minds can say okay yeah I, I, I can get an image of that another example would be where jesus said heaven and earth will fade away but my words never will so was that just hyperbolic was that just uh, a figure of speech no that that is true heaven and earth will fade away um, it is uncreated it's it's in numerous places in the bible so when Describing that, how do you describe um, the earth fading away? Well, they talk about it, it's like a candle uh, wax that, that evaporates. It's like uh, being put into a, a vat of acid, if you will. Um, it just dissolves. Um, it, uh, it's blankness, it's emptiness. Um, you know, there's a lot of ways they try to describe it, but at the end of the day, it, it doesn't exist anymore, as we'll see as we continue on. So, a couple other things we would want to be mindful of when reading Revelation in the Bible is that Satan, the devil, the Antichrist, Lucifer are deceivers. They were murderers um, in the Garden of Eden. They 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 deceive. And if you think about it from a logistic point of view, if you are Satan and your goal is to deceive as many people as you can because you are in rebellion against God. You, If God loves people, Satan hates people. So you want to do the opposite of what God wants. So God wants to save people and Satan wants to condemn people. So would the best way to recruit people, if you are Satan, would that be to be foaming at the mouth, standing on a street corner, shouting out, uh, you know, whatever? Um, you know, is that going to, are people going to say, Oh, boy, I'm interested in that person. I, I, I want to hang around with them. No. So Satan, being a deceiver, what he does is he dresses himself up as an angel of light. Um, so he is the, the ruler of the earth at this, at this point in time. Um, so what, what does Satan do? Well, he wants to infiltrate the churches because if he can, if he can give a false gospel, if he can give a prosperity gospel... Or he can give, um, um, he, he doesn't talk about condemnation. He doesn't talk about judgment. He doesn't talk about repentance. Um, he can just get people along the merry old way feeling like if they do more good than bad, they're going to get to heaven. Well, that that's that's a deception. That's a lie. Or if he gets them involved in ritualistic things, um, thinking if they pat their heads and rub their tummies, that's what's going to get them into heaven. Well, those are all lies. So if he is in the on the pulpit, as a priest or pastor in a false church, he can deceive the whole congregation. Uh, he can give the congregation a false sense of, of belief. So that is what Satan does. So he is a deceiver. So I say all that to say this, that as a deceiver, when we look at God, we see three in one. We see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Well As a deceiver, he is gonna mimic that. He is going to present himself as god the dragon uh, uh the serpent is is um, the father and then the 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 prophet is the antichrist and then the beast is the um, the um, the opposite of the holy spirit so he's presenting himself as three in one the dragon the false prophet the beast and then you think about it in these terms. If you, are, if you are Satan and you are on earth roaming, looking for the next person you can devour like a roaring lion, well, where do you want to live? Do you want to live in a holy, righteous place? Or do you want to live in the most vile, corrupt, deceptive place? Do you want to live where there's drugs and prostitution and greed? So that is where Satan lives. Biblically speaking, um, the Bible speaks of that place as Babylon Uh, because Babylon in the book of the Bible is where they tried to build or where they um, were in the process of building the tower uh, that they 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 were using as a tower as a monument to themselves they said you know we are so great so glorious that we can build a tower all the way up to up to heaven and that is when God came in and confused the languages of the people so now that we have that baseline of understanding when looking at Revelation Um, I'll go through the the key events Um, so as I mentioned the rapture is really what starts everything so now you have a situation where the 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 believers um, that have been living on the earth hopefully you and I we will break out of our graves we will um, if we're still living we will go up into heaven what will happen is if I die today the Bible says absent the body present the Lord so my sins have already been forgiven I've already confessed them. Jesus has accepted me. So if I died this second of a heart attack, immediately my spirit, my personality, would be up in heaven in the presence of God. I could look at him face to face because I am cleansed. My body is not in the position to do that. It's still defiled with uh, with sin and corruption. The Bible um, says, Paul, Apostle Paul says, you know, the things I do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, those are the things I do. There's a battle between between body and spirit, between the, the flesh and the spirit. So once the two are separated from death, the spirit goes up in the presence of, of heaven. And wherever God goes, wherever Jesus goes, our job is to witness the things he does and to glorify him, which will happen easily when we see the things that he does. Our bodies... Are not able to go into heaven they go into the ground and it's not until we are raptured up that the bodies are taken up in and like I said the uh, Jesus will come down to the cloud levels our bodies will go up to heaven they will be married together with our spirits so we will have glorified bodies that will never need eyeglasses or wheelchairs or ever have aches and pains or hearing loss or anything of that nature we will have glorified bodies that will last forever and ever. So that will be um, married together. That is the rapture. So after the rapture, then what happens is that there's judgments that are sent down. There's a total of 21 judgments. They're like a box in a box in a box. You open up the seven scroll, um, or the scroll is opened up, and the scroll is really the deed to the earth. Um, it, it, it God as... Um, the creator of all things he is the owner of all things however god in his in his abundance uh, love for us he had given adam and eve dominion he had given mankind dominion of the earth saying go out and multiply um he he said name the animals whatever you name them that is what their name is going to be he said go and until the 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 um the land and, and and produce a crop so God had given us ownership. He had, um, even though he had the ownership of it by speaking the world into existence, he handed it to us. Satan came in and deceived us. So in essence, he took, um, he took dominion of, of the earth away from us. And he is the ruler of the earth, is what the Bible says. However, when Jesus came and died on the cross, he vanquished Satan. That's not going to be played out until Revelation. Right now, Satan is still uh, um, free to roam until the final judgment comes. But the point is that when Jesus went on the cross, he took back that um, that that scroll to the earth, the ownership of the earth. And when he is ultimately in um, in heaven, as as we'll see in a little bit, he is going to open this up. When he opens it, it's like a rolled scroll, and there's like a wax seal on it uh, that the king would put his ring signet on it. And, um, and then when it's, when it's broken open, you can read what is inside. So as he, as Jesus is unrolling, the breaking the first seal and unrolling it, um, there's ultimately seven seals within this. These seven seals are seven judgments that are, are sent down to earth. So when the seventh seal is opened, that will open seven additional judgments, which are called trumpet judgments. When the seventh of the trumpet judgments are opened, it will open up seven additional judgments those are called bowl judgments so in total there's 21 judgments so these judgments are taking place over a seven-year period of time and while these judgments are occurring satan is on the earth consolidating leadership he begins first of all with political leadership the governments of the world consolidate under him the reason this happens is that once the church is raptured up there's now a void there's chaos on, on, in, the, in the world. There's a, a breakdown in the supply chain. Food and, uh, and, and, and oil and, and all that become um, disjointed because the people that were driving the trucks and, and working in the fields, well, a good portion of them have been um, raptured up to the church. The earth is not, when the rapture happens, the earth is not saying, oh, okay, well, that's God. You know, These are the godless people. What they're doing is they're thinking, Oh, it's China, or it's some you know some weapon that is following us on Facebook and identifying us, and now there's some, you know, there's some you know whatever radar thing that has absorbed us. They're looking at at things in an earthly explanation. They're not looking at things in a, in a godly explanation. So when there's a void of people there, the whole system collapses. So out of the out of that sea of humanity. There is the false prophet, uh, the Jesus, the Antichrist that comes up and he says, hey, you know, I got the solutions. So he offers a political solution that everyone agrees with. And they say, yeah, that makes sense. That's very smart, clever. Never would have thought of that. So they begin to follow him. There's a moment of peace. Uh, So the very first of the sealed judgments is peace. Matthew chapter 24, when Jesus says, many will come and say, you know, um, you know, there'll be false Christs that will come and offer peace. They'll say, peace, peace be with you, peace. So Jesus is saying there's a moment of peace and then after the peace, then war breaks out. Then, then everything comes loose. Like I said, it's a checklist that Jesus goes through that is parallel with what we go through in Revelation. So now that you have Satan and he has consolidated worldwide political power, now it's time to go after the false religions. The true religion is now up in heaven. You have believers that are not believing, but over time, uh, when they see things going on, they will get scared and turn to God. So there's always uh, people that are, are, are being saved through all, all this process. God is not bringing judgment for final retribution. He's bringing chastening to us, just like a parent does. We um, We spank a child or or give a child time out, or, or whatever it is, um, to chasten them, to change their behavior, to, um, to make them do good. So God is doing a similar thing. He's chasing us, chastening us so that we will turn to him and ultimately be saved. So, so at this point, Satan is trying to go after the false religions and consolidate them. Between the two, between the political system, the government system, and the religious system, the religious system is more potent. It's more valuable. It's uh, it's uh, it's uh, has more power than political because a government cannot um, write a law to end a war, for example. So if you have two religion factions that are fighting against each other, you can't just come up with a law and say stop because they're going to continue to do that. Um, so so the the religious um, system is more potent than the than the government one. So Satan now is in complete control of the entire government and he's now in charge of all of the false religions. They're all consolidated. He has worldwide universal power and at this point this is when he goes into the temple of God sits on the throne and this is called the abomination of desolation. This is where Satan proclaims himself god and says everybody has to take the mark of the beast Um, so the interesting thing about naming when we are named um, that is a sign of ownership for example uh, when we are in heaven jesus says i will give you a new name He's, he's he's showing ownership when you and i have children when we have children what do we do we name our children when you and I get um, animals, a, a dog or a cat, what do we do? We name them, that's ownership. It shows that we own them. Uh, the same is true when you look at, um, um, when you look at Cephas. Um, Cephas was renamed Peter. Jesus said, your name is no longer Cephas, it's Peter. Um, um, he said, uh, your name no longer is Jacob, it's now Israel. Um, um, with Saul, he said, your name is no longer Saul, it's Paul. So God names us as ownership. Well, Satan does a similar thing because he's the antichrist. He's the opposite. He mimics the things that God does. So he has everybody put their mark, um, his name, his number, on them to show ownership. Well, we're owned by one person or the other, but not by both. We either um, are going to um, show our ownership to Satan or we're going to show our ownership to God. So God is very adamant that we do not take the mark of the beast because once we show ownership to Satan, God doesn't want anything to do with us. He will reject us. So that abomination of desolation is what pivots the tribulation to the great tribulation. Now there's no earthly explanation for what things have happened. Now everything that happens moving forward can only be done by God. So we'll talk about that in, in, a, in shortly. So at this point, Satan gathers ten nations to go and finally, once and for all, um, they tried it with, um, with Hitler. They tried it throughout the, you know, the um, throughout the generations to exterminate the Jewish people. So this time there's ten nations that gather together. They circle Israel and they're going to extinguish Israel once and for all. Israel is def- is near defeat. They have no resources to defend themselves. And at the last second, this is when Jesus comes down to earth uh, in his second coming. And you and I will be with him because where Jesus goes, we go. So we can see the things he does to be a witness to it. And we can glorify that. So you and I will physically be um, with Jesus in our glorified bodies. So Jesus will appear and he, this is the battle of Armageddon. And Jesus will annihilate the uh, the ten uh, nations, and He will take the false prophet and the beast and throw them into into hell, into the burning sulfur. Those are the first two people to go into into hell. And then, at this point, Satan. Is, is taken by Jesus and thrown into the abyss, um, basically like a big hole in the ground. Jesus puts a lid on it and they are, um, uh, Satan and, and all of the demons are kept into the abyss for a thousand years. During the thousand years, the earth is starting to renew itself because it had gone through um, a lot of judgment during the tribulation and then the, um, the great tribulation. So the water, the it's burned, it's um, it's it's had um, you know meteorites hitting it. it it's been you know an, um, you know um, badly damaged. So it is starting to renew itself. You and I will be sitting on thrones with Jesus. Jesus will actually be um, staying on earth during these thousand years. He will sit on the throne of David, um, which he was prevented from doing originally because um, he had gone to the cross and was crucified and then then arose from the dead. So had he not been crucified, had he not been rejected by the people, he would have sat on the throne and would continue to reign. But as part of God's plan, he was indeed rejected, was crucified, so he was prevented from doing that. So when he comes in the second coming, during this millennial thousand-year period of time, he will sit on the throne and he will reign. During this thousand period of time, Isaiah writes about, and he says it, it would be so shocking, like if somebody died at a 100 years old, it would be like a newborn baby dying. It would be shocking, like, oh my gosh, he was only a 100 years old. So during this thousand year period of time, people will live, obviously, much longer lives. Um, they will reprocreate. they will procreate and repopulate the earth. Um, during this time, um, Isaiah writes that... Um, you know, that the um, the swords will be turned into plowshares. So um, weapons that were used for war will be used for farming and ordinary things. So, um, so that's the period that, that Isaiah is writing about during this thousand year period of renewal. You and I will be sitting on thrones because we were judged to do well with little that now we have more responsibility. So the human beings you and I will be in glorified bodies so you have this um this mix this merging of um of the the saved that are in eternal bodies and then regular human beings that live and die and and um you know give birth and and do the other things they are still sinful they still um are corrupt so you and I will sit on thrones and we will judge their you know their court cases and and uh, the things that are happening with them throughout throughout the world at the end of the thousand years jesus will open up the abyss because it's a time of testing he wants to see okay out of all these people that have followed his ways for a thousand years how many want to continue to do so and how many want to overthrow him and want to sit in his throne of of judgment himself in essence to reject jesus and say i don't want you ruling over me i'm god of my own life Sadly, there's many. Uh, the Bible talks about that there's going to be as many, like the grains of the sand on, on, on the beach. You can't even count it. There's going to be that many people that are going to reject Jesus. So when Satan and the demons come out of the abyss, the, the imagery that they use, it's, it's like bats coming out of a cave. There's so many of them that it's like smoke rising up out of this, out of this abyss. And they are going and they're trying to recruit as many human beings to rebel against Jesus. Once those um, battle lines are established, Jesus being creator, um, it's a non-fight. Jesus just breathes on them. And at that point, all human, anything that was ever alive is now dead. It is all, um, um, it is all past. At this point, the world is uncreated. Heaven and earth is spoken out of existence. So, just like it was spoken into existence, it melts away, it disappears, it vanishes. So, at this point, there is nothing. It's just emptiness. However, we are all in our glorified bodies, or for the condemned, their everlasting bodies. So, they can feel pain, they can feel hunger, they can feel thirst, they can feel cold. So what God ultimately does, he says, because you rejected me, you did not want me in your life, I'm going to give you exactly what you asked for. So who provides comfort? Who provides food? Who provides uh, warmth and fellowship? God does. So when you take God out of a life, what is left? It's pain, it's agony, it's uh, hunger, it's thirst, it's cold, it's heat, it's 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 miserable. And that goes on for eternity. So God speaks the world out out of existence, and now the condemned are judged. The books are open. And those that have um, come to faith, those that have glorified bodies, those that are are, are the chosen saved, we are not judged for any condemnation. Um, There's no judgment there. It's judgment for rewards. We get kingdom rewards. We get things that we did on earth that we... Uh, perhaps did not get um, rewarded for. Well, we're going to get rewarded for that in heaven because God is a, is a just God. So what happens is when you and I are walking in heaven, we will have crowns of gold on our head. We will be able to look at each other and have an indication of what the significance of that crown is, what we did, and how it how it benefited our fellow man or how it benefited God. So... So we will be judged for um, for reward. They will be judged for eternal damnation. They like garbage will be picked up and thrown into, into hell. And um, at that point, God will recreate, Jesus will recreate a new heaven and a new earth. We were not there to see it originally. We will be eyewitnesses to this so that like the angels before us, we will see this and we will shout with joy and adoration at what god did we'll look at his creativity we'll look at all of the planning Um, jesus said i have i have um, gone to prepare a place for you in my father's house are many rooms Um, if it were not so i I would tell you so jesus is saying i cannot lie this is a matter of fact now jesus is going to show us what he's actually been doing for the 2000 plus years he's been creating making a place for us um, and then this new Jerusalem will come down and be a part of this new earth. And it, it um, the Bible in Revelation says 1,400 miles by 1,400 miles square. So the new Jerusalem will come down and that is where Jesus will reign with us forever and ever. Um, and then at that point, the Garden of Eden is reestablished, our fellowship with God prior to the sin just like adam and eve had fellowship with with god when he walked through the cool of the garden of the day we will have that as well so there will be um, a a new um, garden of eden that we will be living in which is is going to be heaven and there there's going to be a tree of life so we will go to that fruit and we will chew from it we will bite from it and that will give us the eternal life that we have all been uh, promised So just to fill in a couple additional details, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. So you definitely want to read Revelation because there is a a promised blessing there. In addition to that, there's a couple things that you would want to also be uh, mindful of. One is that the... Um, The Bible speaks of seven churches. Revelation speaks of seven churches. And these seven churches are, I guess the question you would want to ask is, if you were a member of one of these seven churches, which one would you choose? Which one would you feel most comfortable with? Who would you want to mingle around with? Who would be most like you? Or you could look at it this way. Um, Which of these churches represent you? Um, you as a person, not a building, not a an organization, but you personally. Which one um, represents really who you are today? So the first one is is Ephesus, and Ephesus is described as as holy, but it needs to keep strong. Um, Smyrna is considered a persecuted church, which is a pure church because you know if if you're going to a church and being persecuted, you're probably not going to hang there. Um, if you're really not a true believer. Um, who, wants to, who wants to be persecuted for things you don't believe in? So, um, so the, the only ones that remain in a persecuted church are really the true believers. Uh, Perigeum is, uh, is married to the world, but not to God. Um, Theratia, it tolerates sin. Sardis is a dying church. Uh, Philadelphia is faithful and saved. La- Laodicea is a liber- uh, liberal, unsaved church. So which one would you um, want to participate with? And then after this, the book of Revelation gives us a view up into heaven. We can see the throne, we can see those that are there. It talks about how there's 24 elders. Um, those are probably the uh, the leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel, and then also the 12 apostles. Uh, they have crowns on their head. They're dressed in white. There's other living creatures that have many eyes, um, meaning that they can see throughout all of Earth. They have wings, uh, multiple wings. They can fly around and and, and, and be in different uh, different parts and and are aware of what's going on. Um, and then you have uh, you have the the angels, the multitude of angels, and we're all circled around um, around the throne. And then it talks about how uh the slain lamb. Um, Jesus, how how he had come and no one could open open the scroll, the deed to the earth. No one could do it, but the um uh, but the slain uh lamb could do that because he is uh he took possession of it by by being slain on the cross. So he opens it up into the um into the ultimately the 21 judgments. And um what you see is that um, this first, um, the first judgment is peace. Uh, there's a, a problem to uh, the world order, if you will. So the first uh, judgment is, is peace. The Bible um, in Revelation talks about it as far as a bow. Um, it, it, the, um, you know, the, um, there's a bow, well, there's not an arrow in the bow. There's just a bow, which would indicate uh, a peace. And then that, that is um, very short-lived. After that is the second seal is war. And uh, they take the peace away, and then the third, um, uh, then the third seal is famine, um, and then after it, it says about uh, two pounds um, of wheat for a day's wages. So it's talking about inflation and things like that. That you know the scarcity of food and even what's there, it's low quality and it's very expensive. And then you go to the fourth seal, and it talks about death. Um, you have war, which produces death. You have famine, which produces death. Um, which brings in um, pestilence. Uh, you have disease because of all the dead bodies. Um, so you have death, um, uh, plagues and things like that. And then you go into the fifth seal, uh, which is martyrdom. Um, you know, the, the, the believers that won't take the seal and, and uh, you know, that are, um, you know, coming to faith. Those are, um, those are being persecuted because the truth of the matter is, is God is up in heaven. Um, Satan cannot get to God but he can get to us. We can get to he can get to you and I, who um, who are um, trying to be imitators of God, who are trying to follow God. So since Satan can't get to God, he goes after the next best. He goes after the others that God loves. And then you go to the sixth seal, and this is um, uh, an earthquake, uh, a very large earthquake. So all of these things are very ordinary. Throughout our, our history, we've had earthquakes, we've had war, we've had famine, we've had death, we've had martyrdom. Nothing new here. Um, so there's an earthly explanation for the explanation for the um, for the non-believers. They're not thinking all these things. Oh, okay, well that's God. Um, it's not until the uh, the next seal is opened up that now they're like, uh oh, you know, now there's a problem. So what happens is before the seventh seal is opened up, it's kind of like a timeout. Now it's like, okay, let's pause for a minute. Let's look back and fill in some details. What is Satan do- doing during this time? What are the what are the church believers doing at this time? So it gives some details about 144,000 people that were sealed that God put their name on, on them, showing ownership. He protected them so that they could not be killed for a period of time, basically the first three and a half years. And and they were going to proclaim God's Word. That was what they were doing. They were proclaiming God's Word um, um, because God, like I said earlier, is not bringing judgment for judgment's sake. He's bringing it for chastening, hoping that we will turn to Him. So part of that plan is these 144,000 that were sealed that would go out throughout earth and proclaim God's Word. And then it gives some insight about the multitude that are in white robes. Well, you know during the you know during the um you know the martyrdom well what happens with them well you know their spirits go up into heaven they don't have the the physical bodies yet um you know god will will um drape them in in, in robes of white shortly but at this particular moment they just died they were beheaded or whatever so it, it's showing that that they're um sitting under the throne they're 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 near the throne near the altar and they're saying, how much longer, Lord? You know, when do we get our bodies? How much longer? Um, you know, bring your judgment down on this. And these people, they, they deserve it. So then, um, then, and it, it gives a glimpse um, in, in verse 17, uh, chapter 7, it gives a, a glimpse of Jesus um, sitting on the throne, which is another indicator that Jesus is indeed God the Father. They are one. The, um, God the Father is Jesus. Is the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is Jesus the Holy Spirit is God the Father Jesus is you know that there are three in one um, it says for the lamb at the center of the throne so who's on the throne it's Jesus sitting on the on the on the throne the lamb then it continues into opening the seventh seal which now opens seven trumpets like a bu- bugle to do to do a trumpet so the first one is a judgment on the land um, you basically have um, now the the universe is starting to break up it's starting to um, you know the stars are starting to fall uh, they're starting to explode there's meteors that are hitting earth you have big um, you know the size of, uh, of buildings that are hitting the earth it's uh, it's hitting the land it's hitting uh, the trumpet one it hits the land trumpet two uh, um, it, it hits a third of the sea trumpet three it hits a, a third of the fresh water trumpet four um, the sky, the solar system—they're uh, starting to collide with one another. Stars are banging into each other. The sun and the moon are struck. So these meteors are hitting the sun. They're hitting the moon. Um, it, you know, starting to cause darkness. Uh, you can read about these things also. In addition to um, Isaiah, you can read about them. or Excuse me. In addition to Revelation, you can read about them in Hosea four three. You can read about them in Joel uh, chapter two verse three. You can read about them in Isaiah chapter 13.9 and then there's three woe judgments that are coming in you have these once again um, God is trying to convert people into faith so he has these things that look like eagles they're not eagles but they look like eagles and they're flying above and they're proclaiming the gospel to the people they're giving warnings um, to to the people so God even while this is happening is trying to bring people to faith and many do many do come to faith and then you have the fifth uh, trumpet, and this is when the uh, abyss is is open, releasing uh, 200 million demons, and uh, they they come out. And then the sixth uh, trumpet, um, you have these four angels, fallen angels, that have been locked under the Euphrates River um, for really since um, you know since the flooding of the earth. Uh, um, And at this point, they are released and they start to cause havoc um, for, it says, five months. And they kill a third of the mankind. Um, So there's a lot of death and destruction happening. And then as before, before opening the seventh trumpet, there's a pause to go back and fill in some information, what's been happening. So it goes back and it's a pause to build up the believers. Um, for you and I when we're reading this so that we understand that it's not just judgment, that there is there is a part of a, a plan that God is working. So it talks about how there's um, a mystery that, it, that God said, don't reveal this part. So obviously we don't know what that is. Um, we'll know that when it happens. Um, mankind is no longer under human law, meaning the Holy Spirit has been now taken out of the earth. Right now, as bad as things are today, this very day, with murders and, and all the things that are happening in nature and so forth, it's not as bad as it, as it really should be or could be because the Holy Spirit is holding Satan back. He, he, he's pumping the brakes, if you will. But once it comes to this final judgment, the Holy Spirit is taken out so Satan is left um, unfettered. He can just do whatever he wants. So the Bible talks about that, um, and then it gives this imagery about this scroll. Um, it's really a scroll of judgment, and, and it says how he eats it, and it tastes like honey, but then it turns bitter in the in the stomach. And the significance of this is that you know when this judgment happens, you know it's 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 good, you know, because we're part of it. We're we're you know we're saved, but it's bitter because there's family members and neighbors and people that we love that um, are going to be condemned forever. So. You know on one hand yes it's it's sweet but on the other hand it's bitter um, so when we're when we're eating the scroll of this judgment um, that is made aware and then it goes in and it fills some information about these two witnesses that that there's two um, people from really the old testament that were preserved that were set aside to come back down to earth during these times to really be a link from the old time to the new time and they were going around And once again, they were professing, um, you know, salvation in the gospel. It's thinking that these two are Enoch and Elijah. Possibly Moses, but probably more, more likely, at least in my opinion, that it's Enoch and Elijah. The reason I say this is these two people never died in the Bible. They were taken up into heaven. And so it makes sense that they would be the two that would come back. So regardless of who they are, there's two witnesses that are proclaiming. They have a seal of God on them that no matter what anyone tries to do, they cannot be killed. And this is um, an indicator that that um, the time we are living in, that you and I are living in today, that a lot of these things that we're reading about in Revelation really could be happening now. Um, a hundred years ago, they probably could not have happened. But there are certain things that are, are written about that are feasible today. For example, when these two, um, um, after the three and a half years that they're preserved, God takes their shield away. And ultimately, Satan comes and kills them. Uh, so they are physically laying down in the street dead. No one buries their body. And it says everyone in the world is able to watch their bodies. So today, that could be true through the internet or through TV or or some sort of a social media. Um, back, you know, X amount of years ago, that really, you know, how would everybody in the world look at something at the same time? Um, that would have been hard for us to imagine. So that's one example of things that would indicate that, uh, you know, like Jesus said in a parable, he said, you know, you look outside and you see that the, you know, that the sky is red and that tells you tomorrow will be, a clear day, and he said, "You know, you're good at interpreting the weather." Or put another way, you and I may have a a hunch on who we think's going to win a Super Bowl, or who's going to win a, a a football game, or what the stock market's going to do tomorrow. You and I may have a hunch about that, an educated guess based on, you know, injuries and and you know, in, in in trends and what's going on. And and Jesus is saying, "You know, we we're so." Um, familiar with that but we're not familiar with the things pertaining to god in the end times he said you know like a tree you know sprouts a new a new growth and that's to us that's a sign okay spring is here so what are the signs that we're seeing in today's society that tell us that we're we're a little bit closer well one of those things would be a a worldwide view of two people that were you know killed and then what happens is you have a two-person uh, rapture. So people during this time, the Bible says, um, it, they're celebrating that. These two are dead. They're like, finally, you know, these people have been a nuisance to us for so long. When they're dead, they're treating it like uh, like a Christmas where you know they're they're going to Amazon and they're and they're shipping each other presents to celebrate um, to celebrate their death. And then, while they're on, presumably like a TV or internet or, or whatever the the circumstances are, there's a two-man rapture God says come up here just like ha- will happen to us uh, for these two God says come up here so so these people that had never died now they are dead and God calls them up so they stand up God breathes um, his, his spirit into them just like he did at creation um, he, he he breathed the spirit into Adam and Eve um, so we're different than the animals because we're the only ones that have his Holy Spirit in us he breathed uh, through our nostrils so God is doing this for um, for these two witnesses. He's breathing His Spirit into them. They stand up, and He says, "Come up here." And they start to slowly float up into Earth. And everyone is watching this, and they're thinking, "Uh-oh, you know, we're in trouble now." So now we're really deep into the into the into the great tribulation. And then we see um, there's a glimpse of the of the Ark of the Covenant. Um, you know that we see this in heaven. Um, so that's where that's located. People are looking for it on Earth like an Indiana Jones movie, it's not here. It's not on earth. It's, it's up in heaven. It was taken up in heaven. And then it talks about how, uh, you know, about Satan and the dragon. And, uh, you know, it gives some details about, well, how did Satan get here? So there's information about how um, when he was banned from, from, um, from heaven that he and a third of the angels came down. So it gives some, some, um, some details um, about that. It fills in some information about that. And then it gives some information about the false prophet. Um, you know how he how he arose from you know political out of the sea of humanity, um, and uh, and it says that as the false prophet, he also had a false resurrection. That he had a fatal wound to his head, um, and then people thought he was dead, and then he arose from the dead just like Jesus. So he's a false Christ. Um, he he uh, through deception was. Uh, uh, portraying himself as as someone that had a fatal wound um, in in the um, in Genesis when the judgment was um, when God spoke the judgment um, he said um, he said to um, Adam and Eve he said as an early prophecy about the coming Messiah he said you will bruise his heel and he will hurt your head he will give you a wound to the head so this is where this is playing out um, so Jesus's heels were, were hurt on the cross Uh, through the uh, through the um, the spikes the nails and then this is uh, the other part of that so it's filling in all of these different information let's talk about the the mark of the beast the 666 Um, that could be like a barcode or it could be like a COVID type card Um, you know who knows exactly what it is the point is that the Bible's saying when the time comes you'll know maybe we won't know today because it doesn't necessarily exist but when these things of revelation are happening we'll know them it, it's it's man's it's man's um you know man's mark uh, man was created in the 6th day so the 666 has to do with you know the imperfection of man man wasn't completed um until the end of creation which is 7 7 is the the fullness um you know so this is the imperfection this is the infulness so 666 would be man's number which is um you know we were created on the 7th day and and there's in imperfection there. So there would be some some mention of that. And then it goes into the abomination of desolation. So it fills in all of these uh, different details. And then it talks a little bit more about the 144,000. And then it talks about the three angels uh, that were flying above. Not the three eagles, but now there's three angels once again giving the gospel. And uh, so then after all of that information is filled in, now we're going, now the seventh trumpet is being opened. And these have rapid-fired bowl judgments. Now the bull um, judgments are really where our prayers are. When you think about you and I praying and all the people that have prayed, um, you know, for, you know, for millennia, um, uh, that, uh, had prayed up to God. Well, what happens with these prayers? Um, God has put them into, into a bowl. He's ultimately going to fulfill them. He's going to answer those. So he's going to pour out our, our prayers and it's going to come down in rapid fire. And, um, uh, it's, it's going to include bowl one will be will be sores on anyone that took the mark of the beast and and took his name. There's going to be sores and boils and so forth. Uh, bowl two will be you know the sea is going to be completely uh, destroyed. Um, bowl three will be fresh water is going to be destroyed. Bowl four the the sun is going to be so intense that it's going to scorch and burn people. Um, there's going to be no food to or no water to drink. It, people are going to bite their own tongue out of thirst and they're going to turn to god not for mercy they're going to turn to god and swear anger at him Um, so people are are at this point um, many of them will not you know they will refuse to repent and then there'll be complete darkness that will be the the fifth bowl Um, and then we go into the sixth bowl where uh, the uh, euphrates river will be um, dried up and then the the demons will gather together the ten nations um, and then we have the, you know, the the second coming and in the wrath. Uh, then the, uh, the final one is the bull seven is a major earthquake where there's like 100 pound hail that's coming down. So all of this stuff is coming from the top down. Um, and this is universal. This is, you know, this is coming from the solar system. The sun's being hit, the moon's being hit. And then it talks about the false church, um, you know, and, and fills in some details about the uh, the false church and Babylon, which is once again, where would, where would Satan live? You know, um, you know, where, where's corruption? That's where the judgment comes. And it fills in some different information like that. Babylon, um, is actually where Iraq is today. Um, so when you're looking at, uh, you know, the tower of Babel or whatever, that would geographically be like in the, in the, in the region where Iraq is located today. Um, there's a one world religion, And then the rest of the details we've already discussed about the the judgment and the abyss and so there's no need to repeat what was already said and finally john concludes in revelation 22 verse 18 and he gives a warning that if anyone adds anything to this book of revelation or if anyone takes anything away from it that all of the plagues and judgments in the book will fall upon them one important point of explanation goes back to when the 10 countries had surrounded Israel, and Jesus had come in a second coming, and you and I are there. It's at that point that the Jewish people recognize that Jesus is the Messiah, and it was them that had pierced and killed him, put him on a cross. So it is at that point where they realize that they are wrong, they repent, they turn to God, and they seek mercy. And certainly God accepts that and, and brings them into fellowship with the church so that, uh, that the branch is grafted back in um, and, and together the Gentiles and the Jewish people of faith are one.